Welcome to 41 Files. I'm Katherine Finnerty. And I'm Casey Murray. We're digital producers at KSHB 41 News. Black history has deep, important roots in Kansas City that have often gone unreported. The city is home to historical sites and key figures and has played a role in nationwide issues and protests that involve Black Americans, from the Underground Railroad to the Negro Leagues to wildly successful business owners. As Black History Month comes to a close, we're taking a focused look at issues that have impacted life for Black Kansas Cityans, then and now. In this episode, we're going to explore some of the challenges faced by Black entrepreneurs and what Kansas City can do to make the business community more successful. Latasha McCall grew up watching her father, who owned several businesses in Kansas City over the years. However, she didn't always know she would follow in his footsteps. She raised two daughters, Brianna and Haley, as a single mother, and spent that time working various jobs in the construction industry. But after her daughters completed school, she decided she wanted to take the risk. After I put both of my daughters through college, I just figured, you know, um, I was going to follow my dream and, you know, what's the worst that could happen? McCall went to school for marketing, but she didn't find the field fulfilling. After getting into construction, she realized that she found it fun. She liked being able to work on a project from start to finish. It wasn't something that I went to school with. It's just something that I learned. So now I can't see myself doing anything else. After spending two decades in various parts of the industry, she eventually decided to take the leap and start her own construction and consulting business. That's when she hit the first large barrier to being a business owner, funding. Early on, I'm going to tell all companies, good luck on getting a a bank loan. That's not going to happen. Not unless you're, you're willing to take a lot of equity out of your home or put your home up or you have rich parents or you have a funder, <laughs> a silent funder that is going to give you the money. McCall didn't have those things, so she was forced to go a different route. I depleted my whole 401k and closed it. Yes, she put all of her retirement savings into her company, LM2. Of course, most business owners of any background struggle to get the right funding, but it's almost impossible to talk about the different challenges posed to Black entrepreneurs without talking about the wealth gap. I do think that white, not all, but most white people, I think that they have parents and grandparents, and I think they're able, they... I think they have more resources than than Blacks. That observation from McCall is backed up by research. The wealth gap refers to the difference in assets amassed by white families and those of other races. According to a 2019 survey by the Federal Reserve, white families had a median net worth of about $188,000, while Black families had a median net worth of about $24,000. That stark difference means the average white family has many more resources to help their children start businesses than the average black family. Because most people really don't understand where the resources come from when you you think about entrepreneurship. Well, actually, they come from uh, family. That's Vincent Mangum, the dean and assistant professor of economics at Atlanta Metropolitan State College. He studies community economic development in small businesses. He says most people don't know that the first funders of many businesses are family members. This is pretty old, but when you think about uh, Bill Gates started Microsoft, one of his first and early investors was his father, who, you know, was able to, could afford to 
um, support his son, whether he thought it was a good idea or not, you, you know, it's a total another question, but he had the money available, you know, no different than Zuckerberg and Facebook. Because a person's family is their first resource when starting a business, it matters if there are large disparities in what different groups have to offer financially. The disparity in generational wealth between white and black Americans has been developing for centuries. Since wealth is something most people pass down to their children, it stacks up over time. Typical examples of wealth are stocks or housing. These things tend to become more valuable over time. And as they become more valuable, people who have them can use the gains to amass even more wealth. One of the the key pieces also is uh, housing wealth. Uh, What I mean is that much of the funding for for small business investment actually comes out of uh, home equity. And so when you think about housing discrimination, home loaning, loan uh, discrimination, again, that's a further barrier in the ability to have access to those resources. And so those are not short-term things because if I give you an example of a parent discriminated in, in the 70s, while the, the children may get a home in, in the 90s, well, they're still developing um, off of that foundation of the 70s. It's one of the reasons rates of entrepreneurship haven't changed substantially over the years between different communities, according to Mangum. And while finances are important to start a business, it doesn't become less important once that business is up and running. According to 2018 data from the U.S. Census Bureau, only about 24% of businesses have paid employees. That means most businesses are small enough to be run by just the person who started them. Mangum said Black-owned businesses make up a larger percentage of one-person operations than those that have been able to scale up. That can often come down to funding as well. There's a very large difference between Black businesses that have employees versus those that are just sole proprietors because that goes to, again, that lack of ability to have operations and sales and growth in order to hire employees. Um, because that, again, takes investment and funding to be able to do that. So it, all these things kind of work together. That combines with the fact that most people start businesses where they are, near their own community. But if areas that are predominantly Black also have less wealth and lower average incomes, that's not necessarily good for business. One of the reasons why um, Black business has one of the lowest of our rates after five years when compared to other groups, that, you know, the location does matter. And the research also does show that the greater success rates is in communities uh, that hire, have higher household income. Um, that is, of course, an obvious requirement for any business because it just goes to that business being able to charge a rate to recover the cost. McCall has hired employees at LM2, about 30 of them. The construction and consulting company also recently passed its five-year anniversary. That's something she's proud of. And rightfully so. Only about half of businesses survive that long, according to Small Business Administration data. And, as Mangum pointed out, that rate is even lower for Black entrepreneurs. Plus, McCall is in an industry where most people don't look like her. That's actually part of what pushed her to found LM2 in the first place. As a Black woman, she said being treated unfairly was frustrating. Construction is um, probably 98 percent dominated by by men. So um, I didn't always get that fair opportunity. It's still something that impacts her. It it wasn't fun. (laughs) And and it's still not fun. It's it's not fun for being a woman and definitely being a black woman. And there's definitely a barrier there. No, it hasn't all been bad, but it's been challenging. 
This discrimination is another barrier Black entrepreneurs face, but part of how McCall has persevered is through support from the community. She says reaching the five-year anniversary was a moment of pride, but one she couldn't have reached on her own. It's excitement, and uh, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment. But accomplishment that, you know, I just didn't do on my own. Uh, it was accomplishment where I've had a lot of love and support uh, around me to ensure that I get there. I've got to give credit, like I said, to the Black Chamber who saw something in me and knew what my vision was and uh, supported me through this. And like I said, it was being mentored by so many great people. And then the support of just Kansas City, you know, just alone, just just your city backing you. McCall says mentorship has been a major part of her company's success. Finding a mentor in the right field is one of the most important recommendations she has for new entrepreneurs. That's what Denise Ward has been doing for decades. Ward is the founder and owner of Nisi's Restaurant alongside her husband. She started the restaurant business in 1985, and since then, Nisi's has been a staple of the community. She told us that two of her former employees are now business owners themselves. One of them is her nephew, who owns the restaurant King's Table on Prospect Avenue. King's Table is located on the same spot where her first Nisi's restaurant was before she moved to Troost Avenue. He actually started working for me when he was 14 washing dishes. So now he owns that restaurant, King's Table, and he's doing a great job there. Of course, I supported him and helped him get started and taught him the ups and downs of the back end. <laughs> and the good thing and part about it is that he listened. Another former Nisi's employee started his own barbershop business called 180V Barber Salon on 18th and Vine Streets. Because you can only give them startup advice, but they have to end it some type of way. Look, a young guy, Joey uh, Cuts on there on 18th and Vine. He worked for me as a young guy, and today he's got a successful barbershop. And uh, he, gives a lot, he, he gives a lot of credit to me. I don't know if I can give that much, but I know as a young guy, when he worked for me, he listened. And today he's such a hard worker, and I'm so proud of him. As much as Ward doesn't want to take credit for their success, she was a mentor to them. Mangum says that mentorship is a cornerstone of helping Black entrepreneurs close achievement gaps with their white counterparts. Communities that have been able to foster and grow what I would call a base of Black business ownership with multiple millionaires and uh, your medium-sized businesses, you know, who can then help foster new business development and, like I said, access to some of these business functions, back office kinds of things that support uh, some of the newer businesses. Those communities are, are doing really well. Mangum said Kansas City doesn't stack up super well when compared to other large metropolitan areas when considering rates of minority entrepreneurship. He said out of the 50 largest statistical areas, Kansas City ranked 42nd, with about 9.5% of businesses founded by minorities. He said one of the reasons mentorship can help with this issue is that A, it helps owners learn more quickly, and B, it can help them access capital. Encouraging mentorship in healthy, interactive business communities is one way to expose richer, more established business people to those they might want to invest in. Some of these successful examples of cities who have grown and done really well around business development, that's across the board, is those kinds of activities where you're connecting like-minded people, you're connecting younger generations with older generations that you know, really begin to seed and, and grow. Plus, there's a reason the small business movement has surged in recent years. Small businesses hire others in the community. They know the area, they are from the area, and oftentimes they want to reinvest what they make. Mangum said 
encouraging entrepreneurship is ultimately good for everyone. So you have that person enthralled in the community and being involved and active in uh, finding ways, not just to make money, but to do things that are a benefit of their community. Then, of course, you have the, the impact of uh, employment that will actually do the construction. And, Mangum says, those benefits multiply. It is not a zero-sum game that for um, me to do well doesn't mean that you have to do poorly. That we can work with each other and, for example, can provide a product or service that you utilize and I can purchase yours. That is really how business works, how community works, and I always have. That's another part of being an entrepreneur that's important to McCall. I'm, I'm building wealth. Having uh, employees that work for me, being able to offer them a great salary along with great benefits, you know, health insurance, and uh, most importantly, uh, retirement, a, a 401k. So that, you know, is just creating opportunities for, for workers, providing jobs. And it doesn't stop there. McCall doesn't just have big dreams for her company. She has big dreams for Kansas City. My dream um, is to be a medium-sized construction company. It's to employ more Blacks and women. It's to make a difference in this community. It's continuing to focus on affordable housing. And um, my dream is to have some kind of shelter for homeless kids, someplace safe. McCall grew up around 18th and Vine in what we now call the historic Jazz District. Her father used to talk about Troost Avenue and what it meant for Black people in the city. I remember back in the day when I was growing up, I grew up in Prey Park, which is close down to 18th and Vine. Um, when I was a little girl, my dad used to always tell us stories all the time about, you know, the whole 18th and Vine and, you know, the dividing line of Troost. There was a time where he said that his mom, my grandma, I mean, we had to live on a, a certain side of town. That past, along with her own experiences, has fueled her passion to bring more of the community into business ownership. It's also fueled her passion for the city, where she says she's committed to creating affordable housing and helping children stay safe and in schools. It's central to her business and why she stuck with it even when times were hard. I'm most proud of not giving up and that um, I'm continuing on this journey to make a difference. When people think of LM2 and Latasha McCall, I just want them to think of that I was able to make a difference. Thank you so much for listening to part three of our special series for Black History Month on systemic problems in Black-owned businesses in Kansas City. To listen to more of our Black History Month content, go to kshb.com slash blackhistorymonth. David Medina contributed to reporting and producing this story. 